Dave Hanso. And I'm Morgan Hanso. And you're listening to the LGH TV podcast. A place where we discuss topics that matter. And have conversations with people that inspire us. are discriminating against the, the black people? I have an advantage. Why? Because I'm white? <laughs> what? <laughs> no. It's like more people like nowadays are just it's like this is the generation to be offended by everything. The Black Lives Matter thing is a reason to take arms up over perceived slights. I'm, I'm not prejudiced. I just... 99% of the time across this country, the police are doing their job properly. Damn. A lot of opinions. A lot of confusion, a lot of resentment. Some of us scared, some of us defensive. And most of us aren't even paying attention. It seems like we're more concerned with being called racist than we actually are with racism. I've heard that silence is an action, and God knows that I've been passive. What if I actually read an article, actually had a dialogue, actually looked at myself, actually got involved? If I'm aware of my privilege and do nothing at all, This is going to be a heavy topic today, to be honest, and so um, uh, heavy only from my end. I'm, I'm a little uh, insecure when we come and talk about race, but that doesn't mean that there isn't an issue. Uh, whether or not you want to say there is, uh, there is one. And uh, we are the least qualified people on this planet to talk about it, but I also think, um, yeah, not speaking about something also says something. So... We're going to be getting into this here in a minute, but for now, we are in our dining room. Yes. Once again. Sunny Dave, the snow from our crazy uh, big snowstorms in December and January have finally melted this last week because we've gotten into some, you know, late or high 50s. And so that's awesome. <laughs> the days when high 50s are, are good. That's telling of the long winter we've had. I finally got to pull the Jeep out last week. That was nice. Um, I just got my hair done, got some of those little gray flyaways covered up. You, uh, you've been so worried about those lately. I don't, I don't understand wanna, why. What? My gray hair? Yeah, I just... I, I don't, don't, don't want to... I've I been could, plucking them, so that's not good. And I mean, my I hairdresser be, was like, so you need to stop plucking your gray hairs out because now you have all these little tiny yeah, things that, that are like two inches and just stick straight up. Oh my but gosh. I just don't want to get gray hair and get old who cares i don't care i want to grow old mm. well growing old you just did because you just, just had a birthday this week yeah i turned 35 mid 30s baby this is a big year i turned 35 we're about to celebrate our 15th anniversary this year mm-hmm. uh this is a and big then one. i turned 35 and you turned 35 later on this year yeah. so this is a big year for us it's a big year so the other night um we rented straight out of compton which is a pretty Heavy movie with yeah. lots of um, lots of language. <laughs> yeah, lots of language and more. But, than, but yeah, you know, for us as children who really grew up in the the '90s, who were born in '81, and you know, our prime was in our '90s. Like a lot of those. I think I'm in my prime. Just so you know. <laughs> but. Okay, I'm not our prime, but like you know. The glory days, no. <laughs> you know, yeah, most of our memories were late 80s, early 90s, yep. And a lot of what formed us, you know, if music and media forms is really crucial, like, those were the songs of the early rap years and hip-hop years that 
I think were really impressioned on us. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so if you don't know, Straight Outta Compton was the story of Dr. Dre. Um, I mean, Ice Cube. Ice Cube, a whole easy, um, and ultimately Snoop Dogg and Tupac and just a lot of the guys who spoke uh, and had probably one of the biggest platforms in the 90s, uh, late 80s mid-90s into late 90s and uh yeah it was a, it's a fantastic movie amazingly done again not for everybody but it it uh but it it enlightened us and re-brought up the conversation for us uh it's a conversation this is a conversation that we're having in our home partly because you know we have an adopted daughter who's black and she's going to deal with and has dealt with things that i you know morgan you and i have never even dreamt of and yeah. don't don't even fully understand yeah. Yeah, and what you know, you see in that movie, you have kids who are arrested and handcuffed and thrown on the ground um, because the way they looked and the color of their skin. Yeah. And then again, it just brings that, stirs that pot of like, this was happening then, and unfortunately, it's still happening today. And, and even, you know, when we talk about a disclaimer... We're not saying it's something that we own. We're not trying to own something that doesn't belong to us because we know that we are not black and we do not fully understand. But we see that there is an issue. And and I was even, I think at the end of the movie, I turned to you and I said, gosh, I didn't realize because, um, you know, I'm part of the story Eazy-E, who is a, a producer and a, and a rapper, he ends up contracting HIV and passes away. But one of the things he does before that is he signs Bone Thugs in Harmony, which, I mean, <laughs> that was one of my favorite albums in that song. Like, that was their art. Well, and we listened to it in our safe, little, white, nice, middle-class home. And that's all we knew. I'm not... That, there's yeah, nothing yeah. We shouldn't be... Um, that's, 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 that was our reality. But we listened to, to something that sounds very gangster and it makes us feel cool or tough. I remember listening, you know, having a huge subwoofer in my car in high school. And, you know, we would drive around town acting like we were tougher than we are listening to the very music that was being made in a real reality. Uh, but we had the luxury of, of just enjoying it for music and not fully understanding that this was a reality. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm just saying 20 years after the fact, I'm just thinking, like, I'm a little bit more enlightened. And, and that's fine for what it was then, because I was young. But now I'm starting to... I think we're always changing. And so I'm starting to see things through a different perspective and a different lens. And part of it is having a black daughter. And so that's okay too. So these are the things that we're discussing. These are the things and the conversations we're having. Again, we don't have answers and we're not claiming to have answers. We're just asking questions. I think one of the biggest issues that comes up when white people hear things like Black Lives Matter, things like um, there's a race issue, it reminds me, um, you know, often we're, we're sitting in our living room and uh, I tell Asher, I say, wow, uh, you did really good in school today. Or wow, I can't believe you did so good on this spelling test. And inherently, Jaden looks at me and says, well, I'm good at spelling. No, I, I'm good at school too. Did you see, I, do you think I'm good in school? 
like somehow because I said Asher was good at something that inherently meant that Jaden wasn't. Um, and you see it in children and you see it in insecure adults that somebody else gets praise and that somehow means that there's going to be less for the other person. And so they speak up. It's a and, scarcity mentality. Yeah, it's scarcity. It, 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 it believes that life is like a, you know, it's like a pie. And so you give a slice to somebody that means it's a slice you're not going to get. Uh, and when you do that, there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of, um, yeah, it's scarcity. Uh, but I, but I have this, there is this tendency, um, I think with white middle class people in America right now, and I can only say this because I'm in this, um, that when you mention things like Black Lives Matter, somehow it means we should feel bad or that or somehow it's offensive to the white person just because you say Black Lives Matter. You hear it immediately. You hear, but all lives matter. And you would go, yeah, that's true. But I'm not talking about that right now. You know, Jaden, that is true. You are good at school. But I'm not talking about that right Right now. I was talking to Asher and I was telling him that he did great today. And there's a tendency when you hear there's a gut guttural reaction that you, yeah. you get in especially mainstream media and especially the people who speak the loudest or the people willing to combat this type of a conversation is the moment you say Black Lives Matter. There's this guttural instinct to say, yeah, all lives matter. Hmm. And somehow like you're offended that, that you're pointing out that black lives matter. Um, in the exact same way, I believe that Jaden gets upset when I tell her that her brother has done something well. And she says, but I've done it well as well. So, yeah. So, so February, I mean, we wanted to make sure this podcast came out in February because February is black history month. And there are so many things that are kind of stirring the pot of race in the last few, especially the last few weeks, but obviously the last couple of years, even with incidences across the country. Black Lives Matter, to use an analogy, is like if there was a subdivision and a house was on fire, the fire department wouldn't show up and start putting water on all the houses because all houses matter. They would show up and they would turn their water on the house that was burning because that's the house that needs the help the most. My generation's taking on the torch of a very age-old fight for black liberation, but also liberation for everyone. Injustice anywhere is still injustice everywhere. Your silence is a luxury Hip-hop is not a luxury There are so many things just Your in the last couple weeks. You know, we had Beyonce with the Super Bowl and her song, and people Hip-hop are, there's a, kind of been a, a uprising and a backlash against that. There's the Oscars, which uh, aired this weekend. And, uh, you know, Hip-hop the hashtag for this year is... Uh, Oscars so white, you know, hashtag Oscars so white, because there were no black... um, Or even minority. No, no people of color nominated for any of the acting, and I believe in, and or directing, um, yeah, positions. So 
you know, there's that. And there's all sorts of, if yeah, you aren't aware of that, wanna... there's all sorts of people who uh, boycotted, like I know, like Will Smith has said. And, and Jada Pinkett-Smith, they're Pickett not going to the Oscars. Basically because... to say, hey, this isn't okay. Like, we make up a large percentage. We were just reading, or, or saw it today, that I think it's 60%, 62% of people in America are white. That means that there are 40% of people, 30% of people who are not. That's a huge percentage. And then to say there's not one nomination... Uh, in something like the Oscars, which is just supposed to be representative of the best art that comes out through film. Um, that is a little crazy, especially because you and I have seen amazing films this year. Creed, we saw that was amazing. Straight Out of Compton, we just saw that was amazing. Had some great acting. Oh, incredible. Well, and then if we want to, let's just clear the air with this one, because this isn't going to get solved. It's, it's, it's a deeper issue. So it goes back to the fact that Hollywood is a business, and if we want to affect change on what's being, you know, on what's being seen and what, then it has to happen at the business level. Because right now, you're not going to invest hundreds of millions and billions of dollars in a production um, if you don't have a guarantee of making that money. And so right now, people at that level are not taking risks. I mean, we just know that from just the stuff we've, you know, being a little bit in the industry in the last couple of years. Um, so people really aren't willing to take risks with productions and films right now. Uh, so this, and, and a risk you're saying is a minority. Yeah, because the safest way to earn back your money when you're investing billions of dollars is to cast a male white lead. Yeah. Which That's is just, unfortunate. So we. But have it is to, true. But that is true. So that, it, more people watch films that have a white male cast as the lead. So it is. It is true because it is true. It's nobody in here. In, in just to clear that up, and you're saying there's a fundamental issue with that. But the, but there is a truth to the fact that more people go sit in a theater, pay ticket their money for a ticket when a white male is 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 cast as a lead, and that's just true. Right. So either we have to start changing our viewing habits um, or start speaking up about what we want to be seen and who we want to be cast. I don't know. I don't know what, what other way to, you know, disrupt the model than you go back and start at the beginning. Well, and I have to believe that there are good uh, directors, producers, actors out there. There are. I'm not, I'm not even have to believe. There are that are that are of minority. And so... Um, what do you do about that? You know, you can't go to somebody and say, hey, I know you're going to invest $300 million into this film um, and I want you to go cast a minority. That's not fair either. You want the best person mm -hmm. for the job. And if the best person is a white person or if the best person is a black person, and I don't know what you do with that. This is a question that I have. Well, then no, but then you also start with the screen, the storyteller. You know, if it's about a story, then we start, I mean, I don't know. That's what just, that's what might goes on on my brain. Like, let's start encouraging screenwriters to you know create a story that tells a story about something and someone and then it's not about you can't choose then you know because the story is about this person and they are black and this is or they are hispanic and they you know this is their story well right and i'm sure that there's uh, tons of those but as long as the company is investing 300 million they don't pick up a story like that because they realize that's not what sells yeah well, yeah, so it is. It's hard. You either get mad at the industry 
or you look at why is the industry acting like that. And I think that's just more what we've seen. Like we can get mad about the Oscars, but the truth is like it's a deeper issue and we don't necessarily have answers. I mean, these are just things that we've, we're brainstorming and asking questions and wondering how we can, what, what solutions could be, but it's a deeper, more complex issue. Yeah. 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 And I mean, just the fact that you and I right there in the last five minutes went into a circle and said, well, yeah, but that doesn't make sense. Yeah, but that doesn't make sense. That's okay. Like, I'm glad we're having that conversation. And, and our hope with, with even this podcast is that it doesn't give answers. It allows you to then go say, I want to have this conversation with my family. I want my spouse and I to chat about this. What does this mean for our kids? What's this going to mean for our family? Um, because we don't have answers. And these are the kind of conversations we're having in our in our yeah. house. Well, I think it's it's funny. Uh, you know, there's that Canada for presidency. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, if you haven't seen it, what's the website? I don't know, but I love this part. It's Canada for President 2016. 2016. But he has this one line. I mean, basically, it's kind of a satire video. And he he's saying that can, Canada is... A candidate. A candidate for presidency for America. But I love this like little blurb where he says oh. this. Hello, America. It's us, Canada. As your whitest neighbor, we realize you don't think about us very much. But that's okay. Sometimes being on your radar isn't such a good thing. But we've been thinking about you. And we'll help you solve your race problem as soon as we figure out why you still have a race problem. Like that hits me because I... Th- I would like to think we're farther along than we are. Hmm. And I think, you know, now we have a nine-year-old daughter who's black. And we have a black president in America. And I I don't know. I think when we adopted Jaden nine years ago, I didn't foresee, I didn't feel like I was bringing her into a place where she was going to have to have I knew she was gonna, there was going to be things that she was going to experience that I would never be able to understand. Like, I know that. I can't protect her from stuff outside this house. But I don't think I understood that I thought we were farther along. Yeah. Well, you know, in kindergarten, Jaden, we had her in a, just a regular public school, great school right next to our home. And um, But she was the only black student in the yeah. entire school. And yeah. in that first year, first semester of her first year in kindergarten, okay? <laughs> so she is so excited. Imagine her so excited for school, like any kid, going into kindergarten. And in the first few months, uh, we, get, uh, we talk to Jaden one day after school, and she says, yeah, these kids... Um, these girls. These girls told me that I couldn't play with them. And we said, well, why? What, what was going on? And they said, well, because they said... They said, girls with brown skin can't be in my club. Yeah, and, you know, just just to give credit, these girls are probably fine. There's nothing, like, crazy bad about... You know, they could have picked out probably a ton of different issues, uh, whether or not somebody's overweight or they have glasses or they, you know, dress a certain way and... Um, but the truth was, is this is something Jaden's never going to change. This is her. This is who, this is like core to her being is the color of her skin. And, mm-hmm. um, and so that hurt her, but she's a tough girl. And, you know, she kind of like shrugged it off. And we had tons of conversations with her, talked with the teacher. But then it happened again. Mm-hmm. You know, a couple weeks later, same thing. Girls with that color of hair. We don't like your hair. Girls that have that color of skin can't, can't play with us. Sorry. And so, you know, we had to 
begin realizing they it's a small school and so um we knew that Jaden would be in these this class with these same people for years and years to come and so we looked at uh, began looking at other schools and found a school that uh, a private school in our town that again huge luxury that we have that's even a possibility and uh that that had a more diverse group of kids so that she didn't stand out and she felt like you know Again, yeah, she could be who she was and be loved, and then she could be a le- good learner. I mean, you can't be a good learner if you don't feel accepted and loved. Right. Because you can't even go there because you're worried about if you're going to be <laughs> included and liked Yeah. instead of being free and then getting to focus on your learning. So that wasn't going to happen at that school. I mean, and that's the truth. We live in a homogenous Town. Town. Yeah. There's, I mean, I think it's 80. I was looking at the demographics of Grand Junction. and We're about 100,000 people in this town, 120,000 people in the valley that we live in. It's 85% white, 13% Hispanic, Latino, and then 2% other. And that's starting to change as our the university grows and, um, you know, as the city in itself grows too. But yeah, it is. It's just hard. And when I say that, I just didn't think that we were going to have these issues. I just thought that we were farther along as a country. But I feel like the stuff that's starting to happen recently is like we're all in a boat where America, you know, imagine if there's a huge, huge boat enough to hold us all. We're all in this boat. And then we start to realize that like there's leaks in the boat. And it's like they, we had these pat these patches have fallen off, and we're noticing that like we're taking on water. And I think that maybe we thought we resolved some issues, we patched some holes, but I think we just we did just that. Like we patched them. We didn't take care of the issue. We didn't shift perspective or cultural norms. We just patched some things up. And now I think we're realizing like, oh no. Yeah. We're in trouble. And I would say what's really happened is that as you take on that water, instead of deciding to fix it, there is a small group that are trying to fix it. But inherently what's happening is they're pointing out who made that hole. They're going, you, you're the one who, who has the problem. You're the one. And then that group tells that other group that, you know, actually you're the one who caused that hole in the boat and we're all sinking because of it. And, and then the other one says, no, it's you. And um, instead of going, hey, <laughs> this is this problem of us having a hole in our boat and we're going down is going to affect all of us. Whether or not this affects you or not, it affects all of us, even if you think it's not your problem. Yeah. Well, and building a wall or, (laughs) um, (laughs) you know, keeping people out and labeling people is not going to fix it. Like, it's... it has to be a cultural shift in the way that we see people and see each other and the way that we learn to not take offense. Just because somebody says they're for something doesn't mean they're saying they're against something else. But it's the way that we're choosing to interpret that. So if we're going to choose to interpret that always as an offense, we're in trouble. Yeah. Well, and, and instead of asking, when you hear someone's opinion, and I would imagine that there are even people listening right now to this episode who they have a a real instinct to go, no, this isn't okay. Why are they talking like this? Why are we even bringing Beths? Give me a break. Like, what is it? You know, some people just need to get tougher. You know, whatever that response is, um, 
But I would say, slow down, just like you said, Morgan. Breathe. Remember that there are two sides to everything and ask yourself, why are some people feeling the need to say black lives matter instead of all lives matter? There may be issues with how we're treating uh, Latinos. And I would imagine there are whole groups saying Latino lives matter. And there are probably some issues with even how white people get treated. And there are sure, I'm sure there are groups of people going white lives matter. You know, um, that is true. But there is a specific problem with mm-hmm. how black people are being treated in our country. And it, it involves all of us. So mm-hmm. instead of pointing fingers, how do we have this discussion with people? How do we slow down, breathe? So I was watching this interview um, with Michelle Alexander, and she's a civil rights lawyer. She also wrote a book several years ago called The New Jim Crow um, we know that the Jim Crow laws were the, segre- the segregation laws in the 50s. Um, but her book kind of talked about the incarceration of black people in America today and how if you look at incarceration and the prison population, it's just proportionately African-American black people. And so there's something going on there. It's not that just black people or people of color c- commit crimes. Like, what what's going on? Um, but she was also talking about this Black Lives Matter, and the person who was interviewing was talking about it, and he was saying, hey, you know, like, I remember hearing that hashtag and that, I was like, yeah, yes. Like, like you, we've been talking about, yes. But then somebody else was saying, oh, I see it. You saying that, I see it as not necessarily empowerment, but as a permission to, like, a kill cops. Because, you know, with all the incidences of, like, you know, Ferguson and incidences where you have a black person getting shot by a cop, like, we're saying that that Black Lives Matter is giving us permission to stand up and against law enforcement. And it's like, Whoa. I didn't, to me, when I said that, I saw it as like empowerment. I'm empowering the people and somebody else is seeing it from a different perspective. How do we shift like our focus and the way we see things? Because there's always two ways to look at something. And it's kind of that binary focus. Like it's either this or it's that. When I hear something or say something or see something, like you can go one of two ways. How do we stop looking at it as like an us versus them? Even uh, us, like law enforcement versus, you know, the black community. It's not that. It's not that versus that. It's that's not what it is. We're all in this together. Yeah. And I would imagine that the majority of cops are actually really good people trying to do a good job that are also in the boat as it's sinking. Right, and you know, even the people getting upset with Beyonce's video, and you know, explain what that why they got upset. There's because I wasn't aware of this. Um, there's a boy in the vi- in her video that is dancing in front of like a little like a SWAT like team. six year old boy or something. He's young. He's dancing in front of a SWAT team wearing a hoodie, and then in the background, or the, you know, then the SWAT team puts up their hands, and in the back, you see on like graffitied on the wall, "Stop shooting us." And so, you know, people took offense to that. But <laughs> there's been several incidences that. 
I could see why that's a valid statement. Like that's just the facts, but some people took offense and are saying that she's advocating for um, cop killing and rising up, you know, to to law enforcement. I don't think that's what she's saying. (laughs) She's making a statement and we... But we've chosen to say the other thing. But I thought even I was reading this article on CNN and they just said um, it's a sergeant in uh, New York uh, saying she made a statement and now law enforcement is making a statement. What's clear is that no one in the country is trying to resolve the issues between communities of color and the distrust of law enforcement. Like there's an issue. Nobody's trying to solve the issue. And we need to solve the issue because until we do, it's always going to be an us versus them mentality. Yeah. I don't know. Not mm. No easy answers, but no. I love what Michelle Alexander talks about. And maybe we can like put a little clip in here of her uh, talk. One of the big problems in the United States is that we often seek to avoid the big fight as advocates. We ask ourselves, what is the shortest route from point A to point B? What legislator do I know? Is there a case I can file that might get this short-term result achieved for this limited number of people? We often avoid the fights quite rightly concerned um, about what gains can be made in the short term that might benefit a limited number of people. But he says, if your goal is culture shifting, you have got to seek out the big fights. You have got to strategically look for opportunities to dramatize uh, the righteousness of your cause and force um, a public debate, um, which is what happened on gay marriage, for example. Um, And um, I think very often civil rights lawyers and advocates like myself is exactly what I was doing back when the ACLU are constantly looking for what's the easiest, shortest route to obtain a victory rather than how can we frame this debate in a way that is most likely to shift consciousness and build a new moral consensus. So she's saying, no, instead, we actually need to go to those uncomfortable places and have the conversations and start to have a discussion on what it means to create new narratives, like tell a different story, believe a different story about each other, believe the best about each other. How do we shift how we think about people? And then also, how do we create a new, like a cultural transformation? She talks a lot about like a cultural transformation, and so how do we transform our culture? I think those are the questions and the discussions that we need to be having. Well, it's really easy to knock down something. It's much harder to build up something. So uh, what dominates the the mass conversation online, uh, in the media, uh, even in conversations from person to person, uh, is you tear down another side. Because that's easy. Like, you know, you can grab a bulldozer and knock over the most beautiful building that took five years to build. And you can knock it over in the same amount of time, you know, that it would take to knock over anything. Um, But it takes years and years and years and years and sweat and blood and tears to build something really beautiful. And so just because something's easier doesn't mean it's better. And so, you know, for you and I and anybody listening, if, if you... Uh, especially in a political season like we're in right now in America, you know, if you find yourself in a conversation that it's easier to just tear down the other side or find the uh, the small 
bullet point of of the info you read on a on a headline today and base your opinion on really important issues off of that instead of saying hey i'm going to approach this with open hands not clenched fists i'm going to figure out why somebody's saying these things and i know that stuff takes longer it it's more uncomfortable to have mm-hmm. this conversation than it would be not to have it uh, before we even started recording i said Morgan, i don't want to do this i don't want to even talk about this because it just feels like You know, like we have great friends who are cops, like that are amazing people. And I don't want them to be offended. We have... But we're not... No, I know. I know. That's my point. We're not. Of course we're not. We're not saying that. Or we have, you know, amazing people of color that are incredible that I am, that could hear this, that I, that I'm going to be embarrassed because I have only my small little opinion. I've never understood what being, you know, put down for the way I look. At, or or not getting a job or getting somebody to look at me differently like You're I don't un- yeah I don't understand any of that personally um, but just because something's difficult doesn't mean we shouldn't enter in yeah I love that you know that little video that was going around Facebook a couple maybe last month I think he's like a speaking poet but he talks about how when you're driving a car you don't say that you know that you aren't your car like, it would be stupid to say, I am my car. But how often with race and with the color of our skin, we let other people look at us and say, that's who you are. Uh, I don't know. It's just like, duh. We're not, like, we can't, we, we have to start. I that you just said duh. <laughs> we have to start tearing some of those walls down and looking at people for who they are on the inside and what makes them up because they are not their skin. They're just driving their skin. That's their car. You know, Jaden is not her skin. She is not her hair. And on several days, she will collapse and go in and think low of herself because the way she feels different. She doesn't feel like she fits in. She doesn't feel like she fits into his family. She wishes she had long hair. She wishes, you know, and we over and over and over have to remind her of her true identity and the fact that she is not that. And so why are we holding and and judging other people based upon the cars they're driving, the mm. skin they're wearing? Some of the shift of culture that we're talking about start starts when we start to recognize and call out the dignity and i would say the deity in other people yeah their divine true identity which is not what they look like yeah and it's not the things they even do it's not the things they say it's not the things they believe they haven't we either believe somebody has inherent worth or they don't and so the moment we get to say no they're they are amazing they're they are Um, There is something divine in every one of us uh, that shifts that conversation. I think it's interesting that often what gets associated with um, people of faith is the conservative perspective in America. It's It's the far right, often, not always, but often. And often they're the ones who who um, speak the loudest against conversations like Black Lives Matter. It's it's it seemed it seems offensive to them. It seems it well honestly it reminds me of the conversation that our kids have when I point out something good in one child and the other child says, "But what about me?" You know, um, which is unfortunate because if anybody should understand that there is something divine in everyone, 
regardless of what you look like, regardless of where you were born, regardless of the culture you were brought up in, um, that there is something divine. There's a divine spark in every person. Uh, it should be this group. Yeah. Well, I think it's that and. It's the yeah. the and. Like, we keep wanting to say either or or but. Ors or buts don't belong. Like, it's and. God bless America and God bless the world. Yeah. You know, it's not... It's not one or the other. It's right. like we have to start black lives matter and all lives matter. But yes, there's a time and a moment to talk about black lives matter because it's important and it's true. And it's also true that all lives matter, but it's okay. We can't. And, and I also think too, we can't, you know, especially we can't be held responsible for what we don't know. And some of it is that we just don't know, like, if we didn't have a black child, would I have? Would we have as much awareness? I don't think so. We wouldn't. Right. I mean, I'm aware as a mom. I took Jaden to the ballet in town a few weeks ago with a bunch of my friends, and I'm sure that I'm sure that not one of them thought about this, but I did because of Jaden. But every single little girl performing up there in the ballet, which was Alice in Wonderland, there was not a person, a little girl that was black or of color, all little white girls with buns. And I kept thinking, like, I had a hard time even concentrating because I kept looking up there thinking, is Jaden having fun? Does she look up there and does she see the same thing? Does she see a bunch of white girls with cute little buns? I mean, if we had to, if she had to be in the play, like they would have to make an exception because Jaden's hair is different. It can't go into a bun like that. Like, you know, I was seeing, yeah, I was seeing it and trying, I don't know. It was just, it was hard for me. And it's easy to disregard. But I'm sure other people didn't feel that same thing because they right. don't know because yeah. they don't have a daughter like that. They don't, it's, so some of it is starting to, is trying to step out of ourselves a little bit and ask the questions, what would it be like? I've been thinking about this so often in, in this political, highly charged, you know, confrontational culture we're living in right now we have this tendency to believe that what is best no i'm gonna restart that we have a tendency as a people to care more about what's best for me and what affects me more than what is best for everyone Mm. It's just natural. It, yeah. it, it, whether or not that's good or bad, I'm sure that there are times when that is good, when you when you just have to look after the safety of you or your family. I get that. Um, but for political discourse, for big decisions, for things like race and, and issues that, that, that revolve around it, often it's easier and our tendency is to say, well, that doesn't affect me um, or this issue does affect me and so I'm going to care about it instead of saying... This affects somebody, and so it affects me. This affects people at large, and I live. I'm, I'm in the boat. <laughs> I'm, I'm in the boat that's going down. And whether or not I caused that hole in the boat, whether or not I even am sitting by the hole in the boat, I may be on the other side of the boat, and it may not really, I don't really notice it, and it may not be as big a deal. Um, it is a big deal. And mm-hmm. I think the more of us... Uh, the more of us, and if you're this far into this podcast, this is probably you. Um, the more of us who can begin to say, not what's best for me and my family, 
or not what's best for my group, but what's best for everyone is actually what's best, even when it's uncomfortable, even when it it costs you more, maybe even physically. Maybe there are taxes and maybe there are laws that need to be passed that may make you less money, that may make you more uncomfortable, but in the long run may help all involved. We need to begin to be people who, who begin thinking like that, who begin to go, not what's best for me, because that that's what put the hole in the in the boat in the first place was a group of people saying, this is what's best for me. It's best for me to have a slave. It's best for me to view people to, you know, for me to get to ride a different kind of bus. It's best for me to have a segregated high school. It's best for me. There was a group of people at a given time that said that was best for them instead of saying, what's actually best for everybody here? And I know that's easy to talk about and it's a whole different thing to live it out. And I don't claim to have lived a whole lot of that out. Um, but I do know from our work across the world, our work in moving to Africa, you working in Uganda for seven years. I, I almost don't want to say this, but it's okay. Just trust that our heart is, my heart is good in saying this and I'm, I'm not trying to be prideful, but um, we went without pay for years and years and years and years and years. And we lived um, very lower class lives, like financially lower class, um, because what we felt like was best for the world may not inherently be what's best for us. My job, it didn't make a whole lot of sense. Our job and why we wouldn't get paid for years, it was not best for our family specifically. But what we learned over time, what was best for the world, actually ended up being best for our family as well. The best thing white people can do is talk to each other. Having those very difficult, very painful conversations with your parents, with your family members. I think one of the critical questions for white people in this society is what are you willing to risk? What are you willing to sacrifice to create a more just society? I, th I think we can also do small things in our homes and our families that create a culture of inclusion as well. And, and like I said, I know that we're not all held to, we're not all held to, um, responsible for what we haven't experienced and don't know, but like this conversation is happening and things are shifting and we're all in the boat. So we can start to, to make some of these changes, whether or not it directly affects us. And so I, th I think even from having a daughter, these are a couple of the, the things that are just small things that you could do in your homes, no matter what. Please don't refer to the crayon peach um, with your small children <clears throat> as the skin color crayon. It took us, you know, even our daughter Jaden was saying it was the skin color crayon. And she would be like, pass me this skin color. And it took a while to break that, <clears throat> that verbiage. Sweetie, that's not skin color. Like that's peach. That's peach. Yeah, that happened to be my skin. But the vast majority of the world, by the way, for all of us, mainly white people who are watching this, we are listening, listening to this. We are by far the minority. Yeah, that's not skin color. So let's call it peach. Because your skin, and I was, you know, I was like, what a color? You have skin. Is that what color your skin is? No. Well, then why are you calling it skin color? No, it's peach. It can be small things like that that we start to teach our kids that to be more inclusive. I mean, even something crazy like, you know, those little willow tree figurines. They're like the little figurines that have the pale skin. I think they're supposed to be inclusive of everybody yeah. because they're kind of 
these pale skinned figurines that are, you know, like holding kids or holding their belly or little angels. I mean, I like them, but to me with a black daughter, they seem like they're very white. So I, you know, got out, especially for like our nativity set, I got out my uh, craft paints and I painted the faces and the hands of all the, the people to be different colors, tones of skin, because we all are different tones of skin. And, you know, and I painted one with the mommy holding the little girl to have black skin, you know, just little things that like, cause I think she sees that. And I, I mean, I, I'm, I guess I, I don't know if she does, but like as a mom, I'm aware that she's in our home and that a lot of things could look like she's not included. Yeah. So how do we just become more aware and more inclusive? And I love, um, even recently, <clears throat> I don't know why my throat's doing this, but that Barbie came out with a new line of like dolls that come in um, all different body types. So you can get the tall, the petite, or the curvy body in addition to the original body. <laughs> and then uh, they also have seven different skin tones, 22 different eye colors, four, 24 different hairstyles, and all these fashion trends. So you can start, so, you know, because I think for a while we were told like, white Barbie doll like this is a white tall skinny Barbie doll yeah like that's a big deal even you as a short white girl (laughs) you're short Mm -hmm. and for you if 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 you grew Mm -hmm. up viewing like nope it's only girls who are six foot that are that are really skinny yeah I mean that's what beauty is I was the shortest kid I remember in um elementary school third grade somebody asked what was the the smallest mammal alive and somebody in my class raised their hand and said, I know, Morgan Dobb. <laughs> you know, but that was, and that was what I was like. I was the short kid. Yeah. Actually, I was as well, by the way. Oh, short kids I unite. Mean, I, I sprouted up just so we're all clear. You can't see us right now, but I'm, I'm quite average. <laughs> but the, the, the same thing. Yeah. We were told that this is, this is what it is. Yep. And you're now, I love that we're starting to shatter these perceptions and say, this is what some of us are, yes, and some of us are also all of this, and it's all good. Yeah. So, um, I don't know, just let's just choices that we can make in our everyday lives that start to have some voice and in, of inclusion and unity. One of the things he says is that, like, my silence, not a luxury. Yeah. My silence is a luxury. My silence is a luxury. And that when you when you say that when you don't say something, you're actually saying something. Yeah. And you're taking a stance whether or not you want to or not. Like so, to not say anything or not not address the issue is actually taking a stance. And so, how can we even start to have small conversations and do things in our homes that would promote unity? Hmm. Well, this is a conversation that's going to be going on for years, and hopefully we get to address this again and maybe even have some interviews with people who know much more about this issue and have been affected much more than us. But for now, we wanted to at least start the conversation. uh, Make uh, For us, we just wanted to have this. And um, so, yeah, hopefully you guys got something out of it, and hopefully it begins to allow you to have a bit of this conversation around in your home with your friends and your community. Great. And I would just, to end on this, I would challenge you that, it's not poli- it's not political. It's like yeah. please do not 
end this and say this. Oh, they're just taking a political stance, or they're just so liberal. Taking a so, some, you yeah. know, like no. If you've got, if that's what you get out of this, like you're misjudging our hearts and you're misinterpreting what we're what we're saying. Like, yeah. please know our hearts in having this conversation is only to start to figure out how we, as a united people, can have tolerance and love for each other despite the differences we may have in culture and viewpoints and skin color that those things shouldn't be what keep us apart and in the same way that we would never want to be judged by our worst moment in our life please do not judge movements like black lives matter by the very worst you've ever heard of it i think it's easy to say well one time you know this group of people did something horrific or say something horrible or say something that is just so extreme and crazy. I would never want to be judged by the very worst Christian out there who have done the most atrocious, horrible things in the name of the same Jesus that I would say we follow. I would never want to be judged by that. And so in the same way, give the benefit of the doubt to um, just this whole movement and realize that um, there, there in almost everything, there is a grain of truth. And so let's be the kind of people who look for the truth and look for the beauty um, everywhere instead of pointing out simply what's wrong. We're in process, we're in the boat, and we're figuring it out, people. Okay, cool. And with that, um, you can always follow LGH uh, in all sorts of platforms. Go to lgh.tv. You can watch any anything we've ever created. Listen to this podcast there. Watch The Find. Um, you can get our Apple TV app. If you have Apple TV, you can go look for the LGH TV app and watch and, and listen to this podcast right on there, as well as watch our film Moving On, Seasons of The Find. Find us on Instagram, LGH underscore TV, uh, LGH underscore TV on, on Twitter, and LGH TV on Facebook. And I would also just love to throw this out there that um, if you guys enjoy this podcast and like the work that LGH does and where we're headed and the vision we have to just change perspectives and um, storytell with positive stories of people who are living their passions and their dreams and changing the world, uh, would you consider joining the Kindling? It's our monthly partnership program where we uh, you set up, designate an amount you want to give every month and it all goes to the operations and um, ensuring that we get to continue to do what we do because we still have expenses um, paying rent and uh, you know just the normal business operations for the nonprofit. So it's all tax deductible, but go to lgh.tv, click on the donate button, and we would love to have your um, partnership with us. Thanks so much. Have a good week. Catch you later.